On this week's super special Super Bowl edition of the Bet the Process podcast, Jeff and I talk all about props. We go into detail on my process, some of the props I've bet, some of the props I haven't bet, but I'm waiting to bet. And then we welcome John Murray onto the podcast of the Westgate Superbook, who gives us the perspective of somebody from the other side of the counter. And we basically grill in with a lot of questions, and it is extremely informative. So with that, let's start the process. Bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to. Very special edition. It's the most dramatic episode of the Bet the Process podcast ever. You're not going to believe what happens. Do you ever watch The Bachelor, Rufus? Because that's what they say for every Bachelor episode. I've, I've watched uh, dramatic a few episodes. episodes. I watched, well, this well, is the most dramatic episode because we're going to do props. Well, there's been a lot of drama with The Bachelor recently or with a bachelor, former Bachelor contestant. Or is it Bachelorette? I don't even know. They were, I mean... I'm going to tell you, I'm going to show more knowledge of this than I would like to, uh, but, but Jade Roper, it was on The Bachelor, I believe. She's never been The Bachelorette, and Tanner was a contestant on The Bachelorette, so it was uh, both, because Tanner has never been, but they were both on Bachelor in Paradise, which is the spinoff of The Bachelor, which is probably some of the, the best and worst television um, that you could have, so... Prop week. Uh, I guess it's not prop week anymore. It's Super Bowl week. Um, do we want to wait to talk about the game until the end, and we'll start by talking about props? Yeah, we can do that. Or it doesn't really matter. I mean, the game is really easy, right? I mean, they kind of go together, don't they? Sure. Maybe it's like talking a little bit about how you feel this game's going to go. Um, the game opened at minus. What did it open at? Even and then went up, or it's, I it's think hard it to did, say it, these days, like what it means to open, right? Because when you talk about where it opens, it's like a whole bunch of things. But it, it sits right now on uh, Chris, which we'll, we usually use on the show. Um, they're a big sponsor. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Kansas City minus one, minus one fifteen, fifty four and a half, and a money line of one twenty nine. I'm guessing the most value on the in this right now is is the under, right? Right. In, in Vegas, it's going up even more. I think South Point had a 55 yesterday. That's what I heard. Some people think it's going to reach 56. So are you, gonna, All the are you waiting and you're going to basically pounce if it gets to 56, I would assume? Yeah. I mean, I'll probably take some position on the under anyway, but I'm, I have a ton of bets that are generally fairly correlated with the lower scoring game. I definitely want a lower scoring game more than a higher scoring game, though my best Super Bowl was the Patriots Falcons one. So there aren't really hard and fast rules like that. But the but Patriots yes. Falcons one. Yeah, surprising. And I'm trying to remember why that what what were all the things that you hit? Because last year you hit that what hundred to one or whatever, right? On no touchdown in the first half. And there was the Rams to score exactly three. I think that was the big one. Wow. That's amazing. Uh-huh. Um so why so how what you, explain to me a little bit about your process and how you know you you get to because 
if, if those of you guys that don't know, Rufus started as a really as more of a prop better than anything else. He was betting on all of these props. And then the Washington Post wrote a big article about him and his props and whatnot. And didn't someone on Twitter recently call you the most feared prop better in the world? No, I don't think so. That or something? Or was he? No, no. He, I think he was referring to somebody else. Interesting. I will call you the most feared prop better in the world. But that's only me calling you that. Um, anyways, uh, what do you, what's your process? Explain to me. So that, so Monday night, sorry, Sunday night, you find out that, um, you find out that, um, the chiefs and the 49ers are playing and what do you start doing? Well, I started actually the week before going through, cause I, I sort of assumed that it would be the chiefs and the Niners. That was the most likely scenario since you had two bigger favorites on conference championship week. So I kind of did some research already on those teams and it's sort of gone through snaps and looked at, um, looked at situ- you know, looked at games, the guys missed due to injury and things like that. So I guess the, the first thing is I have my, I have a number of game prop. I have my sort of models for game props. So there's props that rely on just like the spread and the total mostly. Or just right, you know, higher level game projections. For example, um, what, will there be a score, or will the will the favorite score before they punt? Or you know, um, will there be a made field goal in the first quarter? Now, those props rely on some game information, but also projections for field goals and punts. And so those are those are pretty simple and formulaic. Will there be a score in the last two minutes of the first half is largely just based on the total of the game, not based on any team's tendencies in the final two minutes of halves, because there generally isn't, you know, you don't have a huge sample size there and, and the, there, there isn't really, that doesn't add much. So, so those, I, I kind of dusted off the code and, and made sure updated things. I do that kind of every few years. What is this code? What is this code written in? Stata. <laughs> I'm the dinosaur, as I said. It's so funny. Um, I mean, why, so just why would, because like, but you would, if you had a chance to rewrite this, you would rewrite it in Python, I assume. No, I'd probably rewrite it in Stata because that's what I'm comfortable in. I mean, it's, 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 it's just, it's not, it's just rerunning some regressions and waiting, you know, with, with recent seasons and waiting them more. And, and you have had some changes in the NFL and the rules over the past few years, especially, you know, the extra, the 33 yard extra point starting in or 32, whatever it is, starting in, 2015 which kind of changes some scoring distributions it changes probabilities of two-point conversions of missed extra points etc cetera, etc cetera. and so that you know that that's kind of important but aside from the game props then we have the player props and so i have i have a way i do projections overall and so um it's sort of a, a top-down way first so i'm projecting out the team overall like how many how many pass plays how many run plays well how many plays first off um where do I expect the game script to be? So maybe this team passes a 10% more than an average team. Um, that's not 10% more than that's 10% more than uh, their baseline, meaning that, so the Niners last week were, were up big in the second half. You know, I, I'm not comparing, I'm comparing their pass percentage to what an expectation of a team up 17 points in the third quarter would be. So I do that on it per play basis over the course of the entire season for each team. So I, so I know what their, their expected um, pass and run rates are. And then, um, and then we fit it to the game script. So this game is close to a pick, meaning that whereas both of these teams have largely been playing from ahead this season, 
So right there, that'll tell you that generally they've been, I expect them to pass a little bit more than they have in the past just because, because of the game script, because they're playing evenly matched te- teams, right? And so from there, though, we get completion percentage so you interceptions. Them, you expect, sorry, you expect more passing than they have, than their baseline would be independent of, of score. Right, well, more more passing than their base more passing than they have over the course of the season that's what i'm saying because san francisco has played how do you how do you marry like recent trends right where i i guess the the niners running also has been based on um them being up um relatively big in the last two games i mean they're they're, the script has dictated them to run a lot and they've seemed to run a lot independent of the script also. That's true. That's true. But you're right. In recent weeks, they have run the ball more than we would have expected, more than they had earlier in the season, even relative to that game situation baseline. Okay. So, so how do, how do we factor that in is the question. And so I, overall, I know how much to sort of, how much rushing percentage, passing percentage, should DK like how much to wait last week versus two weeks ago versus the beginning of the season. But that's overall, and that doesn't account for fundamental changes, right? Like that's, that's fitting to the entire league over many, many different years. And so there are fundamental things that can make, that can, I guess, change how I should weight it for a particular team. Now, I guess the question is with the Niners, are there any, is there any reason why we, there's some sort of regime, regime shift or that we should resume, regime change? A reason why we should be like, wait, you know, do we need to throw out the early season stuff in terms of their run pass tendencies? Um, maybe. Don't, I mean, like, it, it does seem like there is a huge fear that, um, Shanahan has of of Jimmy G making a really really um, bad play, but who knows? I mean, if if they're able to run all over the Chiefs, then maybe we do see the same game script. They jump out to a lead. Um, yeah, maybe. And and uh, I mean, I, I I don't know. Like, there, it's it's. I expect them to run a lot now. Kyle Shanahan is obviously a much better play caller than I am, and that's not. And you know there is there is a thought that he's going to zig when others zag, right? Because the Chiefs are going to try to stack the box and force them to pass. I would assume. So there is a bunch of that sort of game theory involved, and and how do you think about that? As do you think about props? You know what? It's funny. Everybody has a different narrative of how the game's going to go, and. I just kind of say, I don't know. I don't know exactly. I know what the spread says. I know how these teams have done before. I think there's a wide range of possibilities on how the game plays out. And so I try to basically, the way I handicap the props is, is you know, for, you know, it, 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 it takes into account the full range of possibilities. And All so right, well, let's, let's talk, let's talk a little bit more in specifics. Okay. Because like now we're talking in very general generalizations, which I think is never fun. Um, let's talk a little bit in specific. So if you look at like the, the Niners rushing props, um, I would assume that you're then going to be under on a lot of them. You're going to be Not under. necessarily. So I do think overall Raheem Mostert has been very good and fun, like, and 
I have his him number, pretty high in terms of yards Chris, per carry. His, his number on Chris is 77 and a half, juiced highly to the over. So you can get plus 146 to go under 77 and a half. Well, it was interesting. William Hill opened him in the mid-60s, I believe, and then the Westgate opened him at 86 and a half. Which, so everybody, I mean, everybody has a different opinion there. And the big thing is, will Tevin Coleman play and how much will he play? And will Matt Breida have any role? Or is Shanahan still worried that he's just going to fumble? Because Matt Breida lost a fumble in the divisional round against Minnesota. And he fumbled twice also in week 15 against the Falcons, losing one of those. And so he seems to have lost the sort of the confidence. And after Tevin Coleman got injured last week, you would have expected with the Niners up big, um, and the fact that Mostert had never, I think, had been maybe at 20 carries once in the se- this season. He's been averaging maybe like 12 to 15 carries in the latter por- portion of the season. You would have expected that Perita would have gotten some carries when the game was basically out of hand, but that didn't really happen because the thought, my thought is at least Shanahan was worried about ball security there. Interesting. So you, you look at a. Um the the Mostert situation and you say so does that make you where, where do you project Mostert then honestly I don't know exactly I, I can go back and say if we assume Coleman's healthy and look at the last at all the games where you had those running backs and sort of since Mostert took over is is the I guess the back. yeah but like that's a very interesting question right because if you look at even the Vikings game you would have said like, and you know, our bearded friend, um, you know, obligatory mention of our bearded friend was big on Tevin Coleman um, props overs in the game against the Packers because he felt like they hadn't adjusted to the shift that you saw in carries between Coleman and Mostert um, in, in the Vikings game. And, and that did seem somewhat intentional by Shanahan, who obviously has like a very big history with, with uh, Coleman and you would say wait, Coleman wait. obviously has but, you, wait, divisional round. It was it was the fact that Mostert got had cramping in the second half. It okay. was it was complete. But it was it was not. It had it nothing to do with that. What did what did yeah. the what did the running in the first half look like? It was basically all Mostert in the first half. Or of the no, game. sorry, no. It was mostly Mostert in the divisional round. Yeah. So so when, when I, I was looking at this, when I was looking at this, Rufy, Jeff, in go, terms of go, Rufus, let's yes, go back and look, I don't, okay. I don't actually think that's true. I will say this when I was doing these projections, when I was looking into it, I, I kind of threw out the second half of the divisional game because that is when Mostert um, was. Okay, so the in the, let's, let's just go in the, in the first half of that game. Okay. The first carry went to Brita. Are, you, are we literally going to go carry by carry, or do you want me to yeah, just pull up? You just made a statement, and I want to know if it's true or not. The next statement. Do you want run, me to just pull up all the? I can like. I'm looking at easy. it right now. The next one went to Coleman, okay, and then Mostert got three, four carries, and then Breida got another carry, and then uh, let's see here. Jeff, then, let me just. Some, give you the summary Oster, here. No, so I, I am going to uh, – and then Coleman got a couple. Coleman got three. Coleman got four. Moster. No, so I think it was a pretty even split in the first half, I would say. Well, we have a, that's a very specific number you, got, you gave me. The second me half was the, was the cramping situation. So, yeah, so I think you're right. So maybe, maybe there was a um, – maybe, maybe our beer friend was wrong. Okay, so here we go. Very, very yeah. rare do I say that, but I think he might have been wrong. He'll, he'll really? On us in our, in our DMs. <laughs> okay, so 
what it, assume assume that assume that um, you get a okay. Let, let tell me what your baseline would be. Assuming that Tevin Coleman plays and the spread is what it norm and the split is what you would expect it to be. What would your yardage on Mostert? Wait, by by the way, Mostert Mostert got thirty five percent of the carries in the first half. Coleman got thirty five percent. They both got six. Breida two, Garoppolo two, not including Niels and scrambles, and then Debo Samuel one. So it was, but. The, the week after what you saw, I mean, but you saw the fact that Coleman in that game had 22 carries in most at 12. So I guess what I meant is that it was more along the lines of the previous weeks where there was sort of a split between the two that was more equitable. Um, okay. So okay. go ahead. What, what was your question? What is your number on Moster? It's a very simple question. It's that's a difficult, that's a difficult question because I understand I've kind of been, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you some of the variables. We're going to assume Tevin Coleman is, going to get his normal sp- normal split of carries. So what is th- so right now I plugged in it really comes down to what his rush percentage is and so with my projections that I had done um I I put in 54% for him um which is higher because that was sort of that seems that's, but that seems that seems, re- that seems reasonable. Let's no, let's that's, assume that's assuming that's assuming Coleman isn't getting his regular role. How about, so how if about I just, didn't do that, he would be, um, he'd be under fifty percent. Okay, assume it's fifty percent. I think fifty percent is a good round number. Okay, if we assume fifty, if we assume fifty percent, my mean forecast would be fourteen point seven carries for eighty-one and a half yards. But the mean and median are going to be different here. Well, for all running backs, they will be. But so median. the eighty-one and a half what yards. Was your median? Um, I don't know because I haven't run it based off of that those assumptions. I when I when I uh, ran the numbers when I simulated, I did it based off of the fifty four percent, which translated to eighty eight yards and sixteen carries. How how different are your median and mean? I know you said that, but you cut out on my end because I think my connection is not great today. Um, it I'm not sure on this particular situation, but it could be ten yards, five to ten yards generally. Wow. That's, it could be less. I'm not sure. Um, uh, with more of a home run back, it's going to be more. Okay, let's let's go to quarterbacks because this is interesting, right? Like the the Jimmy Garoppolo recency bias would be that he um, his over under should be like what 80 yards, so, <laughs> and but it's seeing... actually 237 and a half juice to the over. Under a good play there. Um, I make it. Right now, two thirty six point two. So, not really. Hmm. I bet I, I, I bet a t- an under two hundred and fifty six and a half um, at opener. That was nice. So that's gone down nineteen yards. Well, that that was just one book op- with an opener that was kind of rogue. <clears throat> I was seeing in the two forties. Got it. Interesting. So, how about Mahomes? What do you project him out to be? Uh, two ninety nine. So two ninety nine and a half is a pretty solid number. Yeah, but that's going to go up. Um, how about some of the other things? Like, where where do you see value in the props right now? That um, like, where if if our listeners are you know thinking about what are some things that they should try to bet and try to get value and you know the the, the thing with prop betting, I always find it overwhelming because you kind of look at this just huge you know. There's so many offerings. Yeah, so many offerings. So like, what what advice would you give them in terms of like what to look at? Look at something you're interested in. Make it fun. 
you know, if, if, if you want to, you know, for example, for researching for, for will the opening kickoff be a touchback and the number of kick returns, um, as I mentioned, I think two weeks ago, my, my brother was going, my brother helped me chart kickoffs and how deep in the end zone they went, the ones that were touchbacks and, and kick return, you know, whether a kick returner, like, you know, apparently McCole Hardman, um, he, he told me this, McCole Hardman normally stands about two to three yards deep in the end zone. And if the ball, if he, he doesn't back up, if it's, if he would have had to back up um, to catch the ball, he lets it go. And it's a touchback, um, except an occasional time sort of late in the game or when they're, when they need a spark, I guess, when he'll start a little further back, but that's a pretty specific tendency right there. That lets me know that, you know, if the ball's more than three yards deep in the end zone, it's going to be a touchback. And then I can see how often Butker's kickoffs, um, or sorry, not Butker, um, Wisnowski's kickoffs. It would be kind of cool if Butker was kicking off to McCall Hardman. That'd be a, that would be very interesting. That'd be like so uh, someone, someone would have messed up. That would be parent pitch softball or parent pitch wiffle ball or something. We welcome in John Murray from the Westgate, the Superbook, the preeminent. So if Rufus is the king of the prop bets, are you guys? <laughs> I'm not the king of the prop bets, and John can attest to that. How, is that official? No, Rufus is very good. I didn't know we were calling him the king now. Is that, is that an official I have, title? I, have, I, have, I mean, I am. And since I'm the definitive <laughs> voice on sports betting, then I think he's officially sure. the king. So let's just move on. And well, you why guys, is this a monarchy? Because life is a monarchy. We live in a monarchy, don't we? I thought we live in a simulation. That was a, <laughs> that was a, that was a veiled political joke. That was I got bad. it. I, I somehow picked up on it. it wasn't too uh, too veiled. I, I think uh, I think the Westgate guys, Jay Cornegay, Ed Sammons, Jeff Sherman, are the ones that really pushed prop betting uh, more so than anybody else because they told me that back, or Ed told me back in the '90s when they were all working together at the Imperial Palace. All those Super Bowls basically sucked because the NFC team was up by five touchdowns in the second half. And Ed was saying, we got to figure out a way to keep the crowd engaged. I'm not saying that he's saying they invented prop betting, but they took it to another level because those Super Bowls in the 90s were so bad. And they wanted, to have, they wanted people to have something to root for in the second half. And they just started expanding their menu over and over to what it is now. So I guess you could say that they are the, the, really the showrunners of this prop betting in Nevada. So did you guys see the the pro, uh, the tweet from Alfonso Stratton um, sort of referencing the idea that the other states should learn from what you guys do in the world of prop betting um, where you're able to get such a big amount of volume on the Super Bowl by offering prop bets and offering real limits on prop bets versus just making them sort of fun and recreational? Did anyone see that? Yeah, and I well, I, I didn't I didn't see that actually, but I certainly agree with it. And the reason is the Super Bowl is the one event of the year where you actually get more prop bet money from the public than you do from the sharps. And it's hard to make money on prop betting throughout the year because it's mostly a wise guy market, except for this one weekend of the year where the public is going to be running in here to make all these prop bets. And when you have public betters betting, people that aren't price sensitive, they're not sensitive to the market and they don't really know what they're doing, the more money you can write from people like that, the better you're going to do in the long run. You're going to get killed on a game like Philadelphia, New England, and we did. But in the long run, you're going to hold more money by doing that. So a question on that then. It, it, should, should we take that one step further and say that as more public money floods into the market, as legalization becomes you know, ubiquitous, 
is there a world where prop betting should be something you guys spend more time on or allow bigger limits on because that's the way you're going to be able to grow the handle? Absolutely. The answer to that is 100% yes. And as we, you know, we're negotiating with different software partners that are going to make our jobs a little bit easier. Like eventually everything's going to be automated and we won't have to be just chasing arbitrage players or around on the screen all day and all this other manual labor stuff that we set up by hand now. Once we have better software partners taking some of that like meticulous busy work off of our hands, all the guys on our team are going to be able to spend more time diving into these prop markets. And when they do that, they're going to offer more props and they're going to offer higher limits on those props. So tell us a little bit about the process that you guys go through um, when you start, you know, deciding what, you know, what these numbers should be. What, you know, I know that there's this story that you guys kind of meet up at Ed's house and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But wh- why don't we go through that a little bit? Because you we don't like that. You're not impressed with that story, I guess. Well, you don't like it. It just seems a little cottage industry to me. And like, anytime I hear yeah. those things, they sound nice and neat, but like, it sounds like yeah. that's probably not the most scalable solution when a market's becoming ubiquitous. Yeah. I mean, we, that's how it's been going for, for 20, 25 years. I mean, I think it's a little bit more involved than that, but I mean, the, the basic setup is you've got a group between four and six people and everybody kicks around their number. And then Ed certainly looks at a couple of computer simulations as well. And then, but then at the end of the day, it's like anything else. You put up the number and you let the market drive where the number goes. It's just like hanging up a, a number on any game, any prop, anything. You make your number. The opening number isn't that important. It's the most important thing in our business is being the first person to the right number, to the closing number. That's what it's all about. The opening number, I know that gets a lot of attention in the media and everybody gets praised for opening stuff, but this is a, this game is all, all about being the first person to the right and number. How do you so know? We, Go ahead, Rufus. So what is the right number? Because I feel like the number that you want to hang on, a, on Super Bowl Sunday is going to be very different than, than the number yeah. on Thursday, you know, on last Thursday when you're anticipating mostly sharp action and people betting unders and, and the kind of things that you know you're going to be wanting to root for on actual game day. It's a fair point. Rufus is definitely right. I mean, this game is so different because there's so much just square money in the pool. It's hard to say on the Super Bowl, like Super Bowl props, what the right line is or what the right price is. I agree with that. When I say it's more important to be at the right number first, I'm talking more like week to week during the season. In the prop bets, honestly, the prop bets, you just sort of sit there and let these people bet and you just assume you're going to win money in the long run. It, it, there's not like there's not a whole lot of work for on our end this weekend. All the work is done by the people on the front line. We're mostly just sitting back and just watching the bets roll in. So when you think a little bit about sort of what, um, if I were you know a recreational better, what advice would you give me to sort of bet props if I want to be most you know mm-hmm. positive EV? Well, the number one thing, and I know this is like, I'm sure everyone's already heard this a million times, but it's worth repeating a million times. You've got to have multiple outs. You've got to get the best of the number, whatever you're betting, even if you are betting the square side, you'll give yourself a little bit more of an advantage by having multiple outs. And we all live, for the most part, we all live in places now where there are a lot of outs at our fingertips. So I would suggest doing that first. You might want to, and Rufus can speak to this, I'm sure, but you might want to fade the guys that are coming off big games. I think that, like, Raheem Mostert is a guy we've already seen a ton of 
sharp guys bet under because they think that the numbers on Mostert are probably inflated and they are inflated because of what he did in the NFC championship game last week and or two weeks ago. And the reason his numbers are inflated is because we know the public is all coming in to bet Raheem Mostert this weekend. So we're just kind of preemptively starting a little higher than we should be. It's just like when you fade a, it's just like betting on a game during the season where you might want to bet against the team coming off of a great performance because maybe the number's been over-adjusted too much. Yeah, I mean, it's classic sort of recency bias. Um, yeah. the, the problem with the Mostert situation, and not to get too specific to this game, is there's just so much uncertainty around the share he's going to get based on you mm-hmm. know the breed of fumbling and the Tevin Coleman health. So going under to him, on him, which I think normally would be a no-brainer, is a little troublesome because he may be the only show in town. That's absolutely true, especially with the Coleman injury. And then, you, you know, if the 49ers can get a lead in this game, you've got to think they're going to take the ball out of Jimmy G's hands and they're going to try to ram it down the Chiefs' throat. And Kansas City's not exactly great against the run. So it's not like it's out of the realm of possibility that Raheem Mostert could have a big game. But that's exactly the kind of thing we'll be rooting against on Sunday. So you guys opened, I think, Mostert at 86 and a half, right? Uh, no, no. His rushing yards, we His opened at 80 and a half. And we've, half. Been bet down to, we've been bet down to 73 and a half. We've already taken a number of bets on that. We're down to 73 and a half on, but we're going to get a lot of over money this weekend, I'm sure. Right. And, and also that's partly because I think William Hill had opened what you said they were in the sixties. Uh, I don't recall that off the top of my head, but I mean, I do know that we were looking so because we don't go first anymore, it makes it, it's a little bit easier for you when you can look at a few other places and see what they have. I don't need to give somebody a 20-yard middle anymore or a 15-yard middle to entice a bet. I can just give them like a 5- or 6-yard middle, and I know exactly where we can set the number in order to get that done. And because of that, maybe I don't, we won't need to move the number as aggressively off of a bet from one of those wise guys because they're already betting it at what we were going to move it to after that first or second bet. And that helps us uh, be in a little bit more of an advantageous position on Sunday. So you all did used to be first um, on Tuesday, and I'm glad you're yeah. not anymore because you, you have a much better idea of what you're doing than some of the places. And so, so when you guys went first, it kind of set the entire market everywhere. But why, um, So thank you for not being first. But why, are you not, why have you moved back <laughs> we to We did Thursday? it for you. Appreciate well, we it. wanted to make your life easier and give you a little bit more time to, to make the media rounds. No, you know, we used to, <laughs> I, I say we, but you look, Ed Sammons, VP of risk management, he deserves the lion's share of the credit for this stuff. Him and Jeff Sherman, Randy Blum, Eric Osterman, a bunch of the other guys on the team here at the Westgate, they deserve a lot of credit. And we used to all go to Ed's house on Mondays and then we'd get the whole thing turned on on Tuesday for betting. And, and I feel like this was about a half dozen years ago or so. Ed just realized he was just killing himself to do this. And he started spreading the days at his house over across Tuesday and Wednesday and getting the numbers up on Thursday. And the truth of the matter is there really was no reason to get them up that early because the majority of the money still hasn't even come in yet. I mean, we we did it two days later than we used to. And the bulk of the handle still hasn't come in yet. It's all going to come in this weekend. There was no reason to do it on Tuesday and it makes it a little bit easier on, on our whole team to do it Thursday. And it gives us, again, I wouldn't say that we're, we're not like copying their numbers. It's just like, if I see, if I see that you've got 20 and a half, 
and I want to write an under bet, I don't need to get another, I'm sorry, another book has 20 and a half and I want to write an under bet. I don't have to give people 32 and a half. I can give people 26 and a half and I'll get the bet I want. And it puts us in a little bit of a better position that way. So explain so, to me one thing, guys, this Rufus, you said William Hill opened Mostert really low. Is that true? That's what that's what I was told. I, I didn't see it myself. But that I'm not allowed to bet at William Hill. Because right? if William Hill doesn't cater to sharps at all, you think the last thing that they would be doing is worried about people going under, and wouldn't they want to make that number higher than the market? I, I think you're, it, this is one bookmaker's opinion. They're making a number. Some a lot of players they're way too high on. A lot of players they're too low on. It's it's. I think the point is it's one it's one person or one book's opinion, and so. I don't think that there. I don't think there's any narrative behind it. I think it's just they, their number. They thought that people were gonna. I, I think they didn't anticipate the number going as high as it did. So did you guys have yeah, a number on um, for Rufus on on uh, no touchdown in the first half this year? In a uh, in the first oh, <laughs> you mean like there was last year? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> God, you know what's a funny story about that is. Um, like the whole week leading up to the game, we've got all the top, top executives in town from Orlando. And every time they asked us, what should we root for on Sunday, John? I'd be like, well, we just want the game to be really boring. We don't want anything to happen. Just want it to be a slow, quiet game. So we get to late in the third quarter, and it's still 3-3. Three to three, And me and Ed are looking at how much we're going to lose on this thing if there's not a touchdown at all. And I was finally like, I, I'm going to have to go out there and just tell them like, hey – we really need somebody to score a touchdown here. We never actually considered the possibility that there wouldn't be a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Like I, that's <laughs> like when you're giving. Well, you want to give the you want to give your top brass like here's an here's just a, a broad look at what to root for when you're watching the game because everybody watches the Super Bowl. But you don't think to be like, well, we root for someone to score a touchdown at some point in the game, obviously, because that would just be a disaster for us. So in that situation. Rufus, you, you bet on no touchdown, I believe, in the first half. I don't remember that. You, but you bet on exact score of three points, I think, for the Rams. Yeah. And in, in both of those situations, there, were, there was like, obviously, you thought there was some value there. How do you guys F that up so bad, John, where you give someone like Rufus that much value? You know what, you know what happened there? And, and I'm not taking any credit for it. I'm giving the credit to, to Ed Sammons. He had remembered that sharp players bet exactly three points at a certain number. And, I, and I'm sure Rufus can speak to it better than I can. But he had well, remembered every time, every time I put it up at this number, guys bet it. So he left the number just a little short of that number to keep the guys off of it. And we, we actually didn't get hurt on that three points thing because he remembered that. Well, the other problem is I, I created these, these charts, um, and this is back when I was working with some other guys, and they still have access, so they still have, they, you know, downloaded it and have access to it, um, or mm -hmm. the older version. So I'm, I'm essentially racing other people to my own chart, numbers based on my own chart now. And so last year, <laughs> I actually got beat to the best, the best odds on exactly yeah. three um, by these people. So... It's crazy well, to me that I'm there could ever have... be value on something like that, though, based on the fact that it's not that hard a thing to figure out what the real number is. Wait, how, okay, so how do you figure it out then? I mean, well, but you said you have a chart and you've been beating people and blah blah blah. So, so either you're right or someone else or you're, someone else is wrong. Well, I don't know. I could be wrong. I mean, well, you I've won been, last week. Last year, people, so you're definitely right. Beating people. I mean, yes, you're right. Okay. Exactly. <laughs>
I mean, well, you I are. What did you that's say? That's a good. Uh, that's a good example, though, Jeff, of like we, we put something up for betting and we remember if the sharp guys, the guys we respect, and there's a handful of them, we'll remember if they bet something at this number and we'll adjust it the next year. I mean, the market is always getting sharper. And that, and that, in that case, that really saved us a lot of money because I know some other books in Nevada really got hurt on that three point. So here, here's, what, here's then the question, and this, this is like, Rufus, what you were getting at, which I think is right. In this kind of thing where there's so much uncertainty and so little, little sample size, there isn't really a right answer. But for you guys, when you're hanging these numbers, you want to make sure you know that you're not going to get overexposed by putting a number that someone else thinks is the wrong number. Well, we don't want to be overexposed to the wrong type of customer. I mean, there's a type of customer that if they come in here and they bet us and they win big, that we just say, we just shrug our shoulders and say, what can we do? You, you don't want to get cleaned out by the sharpest of the sharp guys. That means you're not doing your job. That means you're not protecting the book. If you're getting beat big by the, the sharpest players out there, you did a bad job and you said bad numbers. If you get big B or I'm sorry, beat big, pardon me, by square guys that are just making random bets, there's nothing you can do about that. Those are the kind of guys you want to lose to because eventually they'll lose that money back to you the next week. It's like the, Ve- so what it's is- the Vegas Dave, right? Uh, I'm not allowed to talk about Rufus. Rufus takes <laughs> any chance to take a shot at Vegas Dave. If, if he has a chance to take a shot you know, at Vegas Dave, you or know what Chambers. I wanted to, uh, Jeff. I wanted to say one thing to Rufus on the air. I, I, I just like I, I really think so highly of him. I'm being serious, and I don't understand why he spends so much time on Twitter trying to warn people about wise guys. I mean, there's, there's, I'm sorry about tout services. Excuse me. There are people out there that are so stupid. You're never going to be able to help them from blowing all their money, giving it away to some tout service. I mean, why, why do you worry so much about it? I mean, it's like saying, you know, why do I, if, if you can help feed hungry people, you're never going to be able to feed all hungry people or help all homeless <laughs> oh, I, people out. But if you can I, do, if you can do a little bit, I mean, and I think it's because this is the industry. That. No, I think you're right though, John. Like, I think it's, it's the industry that I've been in for what, since 2008, I guess it is. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's like, it's my, it's my, it's this ecosystem that I know. And, and I, it's but something I feel strongly about. I, I appreciate yeah. that, but you're never going to be able to keep a fool from blowing his money and giving his money away. I, I mean, I just, but don't, I but see I you mean, out there for, sometimes. For, for, so I'm not, I'm not nearly as pedantic as Rufus is about this because I'm not, you know, as mild Asperger's as he is. I'm, I'm close to that. The reason that I care about it is I generally just really don't like the way that the media and, and touts is like the extreme of it talks about sports betting because it's just generally wrong like to me it's not a matter of someone selling picks it's the fact that they're just you know like yesterday i'm going to read you guys a text i got literally so yesterday i got this random text message and it says uh it's your last chance to get this move absolutely free there's nothing to buy and no obligation because (laughs) i'm very sure i will win this game don't play it on your own. It's rock solid. Reply yes. I'll text it right over. I didn't respond. And then it said, move on Utah minus the points in the NBA tonight. They are a great move. I'll text you when I have another one that I fully expect to win. And yes, it's free as well. You're in good hands, TJ. And then he said, I just sent you tonight's game. Make sure you get in. By the way, what's your name and what can you bet on it? And I wrote him back, what's yours and what can you bet on it? 
And then I just wrote, hey, I lost 10K on that game. Actually, check that 11 with the VIG. Thanks. Wow. We, we, we took some big money on, uh, on the Jazz last night, by the way, Jeff. So I don't know. Maybe somebody was <laughs> – it may have been the fact that Houston was missing their two best players. I'm not, I think know, that might've been a factor. Yes, yeah, which it was. Um, but the, the point is that the idea, and, and you know, I even, I even think about this when in reference to like ESPN and reference to what happens on Fox, like no one is presenting, you know, sports betting content in the right way, you know, and, and I wish that there was more, you know, and, and that's why we do this podcast. And obviously, the, the challenge with this podcast is we're we're not necessarily always speaking to the mainstream, so there there's a big issue with that. But right. I think, like in Rufus's defense, like I think it's not just protecting every individual from every dollar. It's trying very hard to move an industry that's pointed in the wrong direction in a slightly better direction. Well, the, people should look at it like this. I mean, if these guys that are texting Jeff for their stupid NBA picks. If that guy knew anything and if that guy had any money, he would just walk into the sports book and bet on the jazz. He wouldn't need to ask Jeff or me or you, Rufus, for our money. He could just walk in here with his money and bet it and leave with more money. And that's what people need to consider when they think about buying picks from tout services. Now, there are some tout services out there that are very good, but they're usually playing into more specialized markets like college basketball, second half totals. I know who example, you're talking about. <laughs> where where it's, it's hard to get money down on that. So it actually does make sense that they would rather get money from their followers I get, or from their customers, whatever you want to call it. I get that. But why would anybody need your money if they had great picks in the NFL side market? That's an easy market to get money down in. That guy Wait. is lying to you. But John, John, I take issue with that though. You say the small markets, it makes sense to tout in because you can't yeah. get much down. But at the same time, they're easier to move, which makes it harder for people to get down. So, well, you know, if you, saw, if you saw me, say, that, if, yeah. you know, I should, I should just start touting prop picks, huh? No, that's a great point. You're, you know, you're absolutely right. And it's hard. It's hard if you're following, I'm not going to name anyone's name, but it would be hard to follow some of those services because they move the market. Not only do they move it a lot, they move it so fast that it can be hard to get down. So you're definitely right about that. Do you no guys problem. actually, like, I think we all know what we're talking about and none of us will, will mention their name, but do you actually, do you guys as bookmakers subscribe to that service to see no. them? It's no. not necessary. So when they say that, that's not true. And I've seen people, no, not them. Not, I'm not saying they said that. I've seen other services yeah, say sure. that. Oh, yeah. That, that, is, and, that is not true. There's, you know why? There's no need to. Because you quickly figure out which of your customers do subscribe and you see that person's bet and you know, oh, so-and-so services on this because I just saw that guy bet it because you've got some customers, they identify themselves to you so quickly. There are, we have customers that we label because we know all this guy does is follow that service there. So if he made a bet with us, that's what it was. And then obviously you see the market moving like crazy. And that's a pretty good, a uh, pretty good hint as well. So you don't need it's, to it, buy their picks yourself. You, your customers tell you who they're on. So it's illegal for you to offer one price to someone and another price to a different person, mm -hmm. right? That is correct. That would be again. I don't know. I'm not going to speak for every state. That's another thing is just trying to like learn all the different regulations in every state. It's kind of overwhelming, but no, right now we're only in Nevada and that would be illegal in Nevada. We can't just say, okay, Rufus or Jeff, I'm going to give you guys this price and I'm only going to give it to you. I'm not don't saying that's that never happened in the state, but it, it, it's illegal. Don't you think with that, then it should also be illegal to offer different limits to different people? Ooh. Why do you think that? Why do you think that? 
Well, I mean, it's a, it's the same sort of thing. Like if, if, if you're going to say like all customers should have the same ability mm-hmm. to get down on the same price, there shouldn't be any price discrimination. Why should there be limit yeah. discrimination? I, I think that's more just to protect yourself. I mean, I, I know what you're saying. I mean, I definitely get what you're saying, but there, there are some people out there. There's very few of them. And I don't think any of them are going to be texting you to offer them offer you their picks, but there are some people out there that are better than the market and it would be irresponsible of me or my colleagues to let those people just beat us over the head every day with their bets. It's my job to make sure that doesn't happen. Wait, wait, the best, the best people are not, are better. Is they're not people selling picks? (laughs) (laughs) I think we all, I think we all know the answer to that. I mean, there are some people out there that are that good. They're better than the market. And if we give them what you're looking for is you're trying to, to walk that tightrope where we give them just enough where we can see what they're playing and we can use that to our advantage as we book the game. But we also don't want our whole decision to be essentially rooting against that person's bet. Because I know that in the long term, that's not going to be advantageous for us. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I understand you guys have to run a business. And like, from my perspective, a lot of the sort of, you know, debate about you know, whether how the US market opens and how much it caters to sharps or allows sharps is, you know, it's almost like a moot point because like you can't really run a business effectively um, unless you get to really big volume and that really big volume isn't going to be there unless you're um, able to, we're able to overturn the wire act. So like, I I get that. Um, But it does seem like the same sort of thing where if, if you're, you know, prices can't be discriminated, then limits should publish limits should be essentially the same also. But, um, well, different uh, books are, you know, different books are different. I can't speak for, I can't speak for any of my other, uh, any of the other books in the state, but obviously the, the crowd we have here is different than if we were to be running a sports book that had six or seven properties on the Las Vegas strip. If we were running a book like that and we had that kind of walkthrough traffic and that kind of bigger money coming into the room, of course we could offer higher limits. There's just more people with more money that are walking through there. We don't get a ton of just walk-in traffic of square guys looking to make huge bets. If somebody just shows up here looking to bet $50,000 on something, chances are he probably knows what he's doing. Whereas if we were at one of the strip properties, that might not be the case. Okay, let's go into the specifics of the game. Um, what have you seen Sharps fire on so far in terms of prop bets? I'm sure this is a question you've been asked a bunch of times already. No, it's fine. It's it's mostly uh, it's just mostly arbitrage type play. I mean, I'd say at least seventy five percent of the prop prop money we're getting so far is just arbitrage players. At least seventy five percent, more than that. I mean, most are under. Uh, been a very common one. Rushing yards under. They bet under his rushing attempts that went from 17 and a half all the way down to 15 and a half. They bet under his receiving yards. That one's gone from 20 and a half to 14 and a half. They were betting uh, under the, under the longest gross punt by both punters. They bet underneath that. Wait, what? I'm thinking. Yeah. Longest gross punt. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to pronounce the 49ers punters name. But they bet. Wisnowski. I thought it was Wish. Wisnowski. I don't know. It looks like it's Wish. Wishnowski. The, the, I don't H, know. the H is silent, guys. Is I, it? I know. H we H talked H about it. Well, that's he's, why he's I tried not to pronounce it. 
Oh, okay. Uh, no, I'm not actually kidding. We don't, I don't hang out. I don't hang out with punters. Come on. I, I have some bets on the over on longest punt by Colquitt. I bet over well, four, betting, over fifty one and a half someplace. They've been betting under uh, with us. So when I see a bet like that, I think it must just be an arbitrage player or a guy that's looking to middle us to another book, but that's just speculation for the most part. But I know that that's been one that we've seen a lot of, the punter ones are ones we've seen a lot of money on. I thought this was interesting. Took a lot of bets or multiple bets on the 49ers to not have a rushing touchdown. Hmm. Uh, at what price? Because that was open. Plus 130, like... and plus 130 and plus 120, no rushing touchdown. Wait, wait, the 49ers? Yes, the 49ers. Will the 49ers have a rushing touchdown? Wait, you mean like plus, you mean plus 230? The team from San Francisco, Rufus. Right, no, but th- that, that number was like, it's been like plus 275 in books. Are you sure that? Oh, you know what? I'm looking at the first half one, Rufus. I, I apologize. You're right. I, I'm looking at the first half one. Uh, Sorry, my eyes got crossed there. No, I, I liked right. that they, first they've been, half no. <laughs> they, they've, been bet, they've been betting that no as well uh, for the game too. So they, they took plus 275, so I wasn't wrong. But, uh, yeah, they, they've been betting. I was a little surprised to see those bets just because I think the public is going to be betting the yeses on those, and those prices might be going up. In fact, I know the public's going to be betting the yeses on 49ers rushing touchdown. So the yes, I'm looking at a reputable offshore book, and um, the yes on the scoring touchdown, rushing touchdown is minus 383, while the no is 281. So. Yeah, and th- those are the kind of things we'll see a lot of money on. I mean, I, I think the one the public is really going to hammer for sure, though, is right now we've got Raheem Mostert at minus 150 to score a touchdown. And the, the public is going to just fire on that because he had four touchdowns in the NFC Championship game. That seems like a good one to take the no on as that mm-hmm. goes up because it does seem like there's probably pretty good value there. Rufus, what do, you, do you have that in front of you? What do you make that? Uh, Mostert to score a touchdown? Yeah. Um, I have him at yes minus it's somewhere in the 140s. Wow. So maybe no value. So maybe as that well, goes up, maybe, maybe Rufus is going to grab the minus 130 right now. But as we discussed, I also am using uh, a projection that's kind of based on like Tevin Coleman not being fully healthy. Right. Well, he's definitely not fully healthy, right? Well, okay, but not, not getting his, you know, I'm, most are getting more work than he would if, if he was fully healthy. I think so that's okay. I make the, it minus one thirty-eight. Sorry, minus one thirty-eight is my number. Got it. You know what's interesting, Rufus, that that we've noticed behind the counter over the last uh, let's call it ten years. We used to get a lot more bets on like all these guys no and under the the first night when we opened the props, and then the numbers would get better as we got closer to the Super Bowl, and then all those guys that were making those under bets probably could get a better number by Super Bowl weekend. And we really noticed this year that they were laying off a lot. Well, I and mean, we, and John, pop- part of that, though, is the fact that if I know that if I bet into Westgate openers, it's going to move. And then when one, when these other books that open the next day um, come out, they will have the same numbers that you have. Mm-hmm. And so... So it's more of it's more of like it's not really necessarily you think I'll get a better number next Sunday. It's more of I, you don't want to blow up the market on yourself before all the other books open up. It's a combination of the two for for certain things. Like I, I have bet almost no nothing related to Mahomes because I think that that's just going to keep going up up and away. But I agree with you. I did I did make a mistake by betting a lot of first reception yardage props at Westgate that um, that ended up just 
moving pretty hard and then there was no value because uh, places just copied you guys' numbers. And so I, I missed a chance to get down more on those. But the, but it's also a calculation of how much, you know, are other people going to be going for those same bets that I'm, or where yeah. is somebody else going to be hammering those unders? Well, one thing I said, I, I did a, I did behind the bets this morning with Doug Kazarian ESPN. And one thing I said was, I don't want it to come across like I'm saying to a guy who walks in here with a big backpack of money and walks out of here with an even bigger a backpack full of more money. I don't want to sound like I'm saying to that guy, Hey man, you're doing it wrong. So <laughs> I don't like, it's not really my place to be like, you know what you should really do. You should really do it like this. I'm not going to be that guy like preaching to our sharpest players. But, uh, but I, I, I did notice for years that I thought they were a little too aggressive in terms of betting stuff under that usually went higher by the next weekend. Yeah. I mean, John, what do you, you, you know, you know what I should, what I should, what, you know what I, if I, uh, if I had no concern about my relationship with you guys, I could just, you know, bet the over on something <laughs> yeah, and then have somebody know, else come in and bet the under immediately and just take the 20 cent yeah. arm. I mean, we would, uh, we would pick up on that pretty quickly, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, especially it's not since like, you just announced look, it. On the I know I, that's because <laughs> that's obviously I'm not doing that. Yeah. No, no, we, we pick up on that stuff though. I mean, and that's, that's another thing you're always dealing with as a bookmaker is that's why I said a little earlier in the, in the show, like we want to give somebody a decent limit so that they don't do that to us. Whereas if you're giving them just peanuts, they might do exactly that just to screw with the market. You want to give, you want to give a sharp guy that you respect enough to make it worth his while to bet you his real side. So that's a very good point. So Rufus, how, how do you then decide Okay, because what, what John is saying is pretty interesting, right? Which is essentially that we've, 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 per, we've uh, characterized the Super Bowl, and we've talked about this a lot, as the one game where public money influences the market. Do we all agree that that's true? Yes, that is true. Okay. Yes. So we know that the public likes scoring, and we know that the public likes you know, things to happen. So why would you ever bet unders early knowing that the almost certainly knowing that the prices are going to be better long term? Is there a threshold where you say, oh my God, this is so much value that I need to bet it now because other people will beat me to it? Oh, 100%. If you have a chance to bet at William Hill and you can hit William Hill openers, then you know, you're probably never going to see numbers that good in your life. But you I mean, can't bet William Hill openers, can you? No, I can't. I can't right. bet William Hill anytime. No one can bet William Hill openers. That's, that's like the test of whether you have a heartbeat or whatever. Well, right? like, yeah, but some, some people know people that. <laughs> I don't even know what you guys are talking about. Man. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm going to put, put the phone down. So, so back I'm, to, I'm back. talking, I'm talking about like people that I know that have people that okay. know people that can bet at William Hill. So, okay. I wasn't so back, even asking. <laughs> so back to this week's, back to the, the game in hand, this, this Super Bowl. Uh, as this week progresses, Rufus, you've given us one that you're looking at, which is Pat, Patrick Mahomes, you know, totals, props. You feel like there's mm-hmm. going to be value on the under. Do you, you, you think there's value right now? At some places. Okay. I mean, I think there's value, like some of the under two and a half touchdown passes. Um, yeah. You know, it, three like, touchdowns is a lot. Three is a lot of touchdowns against that San Francisco defense. But I just think that, and again, I don't want to be like, I don't want it to seem like I'm preaching to the sharpest guys in the world, but I just think if you're betting under Patrick Mahomes stuff right now, you're doing it wrong because people are not coming to Las Vegas this weekend 
to sit there and root for nothing to happen. I can tell you that for sure. They're here rooting for Patrick Mahomes to throw long touchdown passes and interception returns for touchdowns and two-point conversions and safeties. They're not coming out here to root for nothing to happen. I agree. The question becomes how much do books move the move on the action versus say, you know what, we're, you know, it's already a decent bet for the under, like we, we like the side and we'll just keep it in place. I think this is interesting. We've had our props up for about five days. Homes right now at three Oh eight and a half. We haven't even moved it by one yard because I think all the wise guys are waiting for the numbers to go up. And the public people aren't in town yet. I just think it's kind of strange because that's going to be one of the most high-profile props of the whole Super Bowl, and we haven't even moved it by an inch. Okay, let's play. Let's play. Guess where these numbers close. Where do you think? <laughs> I, I want to know where you think the Mahomes passing yards and Mahomes rushing yards close. Well, I'm glad you didn't have me on the show for the AFC Championship game because I never would have believed that Derrick Henry rushing prop would get as high as it did. Seriously, <laughs> I, I was. At, I was floored by, I mean, I'm not even kidding by how high that one got. In fact, I saw Rufus on Sunday and he and I talked about that uh, or two Sundays ago, I should say. I was absolutely shocked by that. I think the Mahomes number will go up a little bit, but I don't, I mean, I don't think it's going to go up into like the three thirties. It really, it depends on what book you're talking about. It depends on the appetite for risk these books have. Cause I know some of the books with a lot of properties are going to be just overrun with Mahomes stuff. And they're going to be trying to sell it off to sharp players. I just, we're not going to be too concerned if somebody wants to come in and bet over a huge number with Mahomes. If he goes over those numbers, we'll just take the loss. We're not going to get too out of bounds on this thing. I don't think it should go much higher than the three teens, like the 300 teens. But you think, it, you think it'll, it won't go much higher. So you think 320? I think we're already pretty high. You know, we're at 308 and a half right now. I mean, 320, to me, I, I don't think it's going to get that high, at least in our book. I can't speak for what anyone else is thinking or doing. But, again, if you guys had asked me before the, the championship round, and, and you or Rufus said that Derrick Henry was going to get to, like, 124 and a half rushing yards, I would have said no possible way. That's ridiculous. So I would have yeah. been wrong. So, what, so with – you know, you're, you're talking about how these guys – you know, how – these sharp guys probably could be waiting on before they bet these unders. Um, do you, how much do you anticipate? Like, let's say a guy like, you know, Travis Kelsey or Ty, Tyreek Hill or Sammy Watkins, just like, do you, you know, how, how much do you anticipate those numbers moving up? Like, are they going for like receiving yards? Like, are you saying two points, five I, points? Or yards? I think with those Sorry, guys, oh, you're fine. I, I understood. Oh, I think with those guys like Hill and Kelsey, the public will bet more the touchdown. Yes. They like with go, guys like that. They like to bet the yes touchdown because they've heard of those players. I think you'll see more movement on that than you will on the yardage numbers. And one thing that the one thing that's really important for the sports books on the Super Bowl is if if Travis Kelsey scores Kansas City's first touchdown, from our point of view, we're, we'll root for him to score every subsequent touchdown that Kansas City scores <laughs> the rest of the game. Because once we pay you once, we only have to pay you one time on that prop. What really killed us in that Philadelphia New England game was that so many different guys scored touchdowns. So if Raheem Mostert scores the first touchdown for the Niners on Sunday, I hope he scores every touchdown they have for the rest of the game. I hope it's a repeat of the NFC Championship game. The public loves the to play every guy yes touchdown. I think you'll see more movement on those. But again, it, it becomes a matter of each book's appetite for the risk. 
So it's hard for me to speculate on just how much those prices are going to move. Do you guys look at all um, at the offshore books, the, the more reputable ones in terms of understanding where the market's going? Not really, not on the props. I mean, we really don't. Uh, we, re- we really don't. I mean, we, we, we certainly are looking at, like when we put up, like let's say it's Sunday evening and we put up next week's NFL numbers, we look at what the offshore books put up because we usually put them up first and the offshore books put them up too. And we'll move it closer to where the offshore books put them up because if we don't, we're just going to get bet that way anyway. I mean, I know like people always complain that all the books have the same lines, but that's because that's how we get, we get bet that way. If we're a point and a half off from one of the offshore books, we'll just take a bet and eventually these guys won't stop betting until we all have basically the same numbers. So we have to look at the offshore books for stuff like that, but we're not really looking at them too much for the prop stuff. Well, I mean, your limits are higher than the offshore books for prop stuff. I don't know. I mean, I, people have told me that before. I don't, I don't know what the prop, what the offshore books are taking on these props. I don't know what New Jersey is taking on these props. I, I just know what we're taking. So John, um, speaking of New Jersey, how do you feel about, um, and feel free to not answer this if you don't want about, uh, these sort of one way markets. So, which, you know, in Nevada, the rule yeah. is, the rule is there has to be a winner among a bet, right? Or, or there has to be the potential. It has to be, it has to include a bet has to include all possible outcomes. So you couldn't just well, say we, yes well, and not we, a no. Uh, well, hold on. We, we put up uh, like, for example, we put up, will, um, will these teams make it to the college football playoff? And we just grade four winners. We don't have, there's no, no option on that prop. Which prop? Like uh, back in the summer, we'll put up a yes price on every team in the country to make it to the college football playoff. So you have every team in the country though. Oh, so you're right. So so what is, there has to be a field option. What is, what is New Jersey doing exactly then? I guess I don't understand. Points bet had a prop that said, will Kyle Shanahan blow a 28 to three lead? And you could bet the yes at 100 to one. And there was not a no price because. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's good marketing. I think it's good marketing. I, I don't know. I mean, we, Something like that, if we were going to be able to do something like that, I would have to reach out to Nevada Gaming and get the appropriate approvals. I, it, from what I can tell, some states are a little bit more aggressive with what they are allowing books to do. Like, we're not allowed to have betting on the Oscars. Not that I wanted to go through that anyway, but we're not allowed to. And I know that in New Jersey, you can. So some of these states are a little bit looser as they try to make a, a footprint in, in this industry. Well, Rufus, this kind of gets down to like one of the fundamental like principles that you have around sports betting, which is that it's, it's like those bets that they're making are just for fun. Basically they're allowing people to have like a little bit of fun with this. And you believe that they should all be like fair or exploitable at some level. No, I'm not like, I'm not against people being able to place fun bets, but I do think that a lot of those bets just, it, it, it ends up being this lottery mentality where the prices are so far off the true price that a book is going to hold a, you know, I mean, the hundred to one odds there. I mean, that should be like a hundred thousand to one. That well, they don't. Have, people right. don't have to bet them. Right. That's true. But it's it's so who who's going to be betting it then? Someone well, that does not understand, know any better. It's going to be. It'll just be people betting five and ten dollars. It's it's just a, it's a marketing thing. That's all that is. They they just. Why do you guys think I agreed to do this show? It's all about marketing. Like <laughs> I thought it was because you liked us. Yeah. Um, no, okay. I'm kidding. <laughs> let's, let's, finish, let's finish up uh, with a couple things. Let's finish yeah. up one with a couple 
of the more popul- popular quote unquote popular. sharp quote quote unquote um, sharp bets uh like the will there be a safety um sure. no is traditionally value um will there be you know like a two point conversion successful all that kind of stuff Rufus, is there still value on that stuff? And John, I guess, how do you guys think about those things where you know that there's sort of like the bridge jumper mentality that people will do because they think that there's value there? Well, I'll go first. I think some of the, obviously the no safety, there's always value on. I mean, there'd be value at minus 1,000. There'd be value at minus 1,300. But I do think things have changed a little bit with the two-point conversion stuff and with the extra point now that you have the longer extra points and the fact that the game is outdoors and it's, it's supposed to be a high scoring game. I actually have bet yes on missed extra point at I think plus three thirty, And I, I would, I have bet yes on two point conver- a successful two point conversion, which goes hand in hand with an extra point because when there are more extra point, you know, in games where there's an extra point or missed extra point, there is much more likely to be a two point conversion attempted. And so I have, I have that number in the mid minus 200s rather than, um, and I remember previous years, I would have the no on a successful two-point conversion, like minus four, 400. Why, wait, why have you adjusted it that much, if you don't mind me asking, Rufus? Just because teams are going for, teams are like missing those more. So they're, why, why have you adjusted it that much? Because of the, extra, the longer extra points, meaning the longer that means more I, missed extra points. So it changes the distribution there. So. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously you you have two good kickers here, but you still have a one in four chance um, of a a little higher, actually, given given um, the total for this game of of a missed extra point. And if you have that, you're going to have a situation. You could have easily have a situation where a a team, you know, in the fourth quarter needs to go for two. And you also if they miss an extra point, you're saying if they miss an extra point earlier in the game, they'll be more likely to go for two later in the game. Right, it creates score differentials right. that are um, yeah um, that sure. yeah you know, yeah. If you know, let's say sense. let's say two teams score a touchdown, one misses the extra point. Um, it's seven yeah. to six, and then let, everything else stays the same. Right. So it's like you know, let's say it's a twenty-one twenty game. The the team that's got twenty points and scores a touchdown, they're going for two in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense. Oh. I, uh, not to go too far off track on you, Jeff, but when they first moved the, the extra points back a few years ago, I remember saying to the guys here, what a stupid rule. No one's going to miss from there anyway. Well, that, that was a hell of a prediction. Like I, I, I've been shocked by how many of these extra points get missed from 33 yards or whatever it is. So it's definitely changed a lot in terms of the way we set up these props. And what, but what we kind of remember when we put up something like, will there be a safety, for example, what we remember is what price did the sharp guys lay us on the no? Let's just stay a little higher than that. And that, that's all we do for stuff like that. Because we know where the money's coming. The money's going to all come on the yes. Rufus, what do you make no onside attempt, no onside kick attempt? I didn't price that one. Why? The Westgate doesn't have it. I don't, are there any, I don't think there are any places in Vegas that have it. Why? That seems like a fascinating one to me. What, what would you, you want guys us to? You want us to add that, Jeff? What? What is it? Will there be a, an onside attempt in the game? Onside kick attempt. Onside kick attempt. I don't know. We've never even talked about that one. That's a good one. I mean, I'm not going to lay what? minus two thousand on something. Even yeah. Yeah. no, the, I have better use of my cash. Number on the number on this reputable offshore book is minus one eighty one on the no and plus one forty two on the yes. Wow. 
Oh, wow. I would have thought a lot higher than that. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I mean, you'd have to look through some games to see how often that happens, uh, which I've never done before. I've never even thought about it, but that, that is a good, that's a good idea for a prop. And then the other thing with that is that given the fact, I mean, it's one that's probably hard to price because things have changed a lot where onside kicks are generally not recovered quite as often. So you're probably not going to have, you know, you, the, 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 I, with the new rules, it's just hard to recover onside kicks. So so yeah, onside you, you kick only... attempt and successful onside kick attempts, just like two-point conversion attempts, successful two-point conversion attempts. Yeah. Jeff, I don't believe you on that price because there, there were only 62 attempted onside kicks in 2019. I'm staring at it, Rufus. If there's 62, there have been 266 games, just saying, and they aren't all from the same game. I remember <laughs> the Atlanta kicker got three of them recovered. You're, so you're saying are right you now saying, I should be Are you saying that the, Jeff is lying or that Jeff doesn't know how to read the, the odds on something? Ew, What's you're your saying that I should bet the no minus 181 <laughs> right now as many times as I can. I'm going with doesn't know how to read it right. and it, there's, it, It's like when I, I would have thought it would be a lot higher than that, man. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Rufus. I, I would have thought a lot higher than minus 180 for sure, but I don't really know. Mo- I've, I've never looked into that before. I'm, I'm 100% with you, John. All right. Well, there Jeff, you go. Now that's controversy, guys, and I just. So that's our pick for the Super Bowl. That's our official. Super Bowl. <laughs> no, like, and now Jeff has moved the entire market. Jeff is just rebetting it and rebetting it, and so once this comes out, it'll be like, why is it I'm minus nine hundred? I'm going to run the numbers, and I'm be like, oh, that's terrible. Okay. Um, let's just finish up with the game itself. Um, okay. You know, it's it's minus. What are you guys hanging it at right now? We got minus one Kansas City total fifty four and a half. Uh, we opened it pick in fifty one and a half, and the market just kept going up, up, up. I do think the total is going to come down, guys. I don't think it's going to be in this fifty four and a half, fifty five range on Sunday. I think it's going to come down a little bit. And this is a, an interesting Super Bowl, though, because I, who, the winner of this game, I really don't think is going to determine our day much. I, I, I think the, the side action is going to be very split. Our day is going to come down to how we do in the props, and hopefully the game goes under 54 and a half, 54. That's really what's going to determine how the books in Nevada do. Wait, John, I thought all these people were betting on things to happen. Who is it going to, who's, who's going to be betting that total down? Well, the, I think the wise guys will bet the total itself under, but you're absolutely right as far as the prop markets from the, the public players. I think that, I mean, they're going to just continue betting yes, yes, yes on everything. But I do think the game total is going to come down a little bit, but we'll see. I just think the number is so inflated when you have a team like San Francisco. For the t- you can bet under 55 right now at a whole bunch of books in the state. I'm waiting for 55 and a half. I had, uh, I had under 59 in the Atlanta-New England Super Bowl. That was one of my favorite, uh, my favorite losses of all time because I think it landed 62 because they scored a touchdown in overtime. So I could, even when the game went to overtime, I could still afford a field goal and get my money back, and they scored a touchdown. So when you – just last question, because I'm interested in this. Do you guys um, inflate the, the total because it's the yeah. Super Bowl? Yes. The Super Bowl total is always, always inflated a little bit, the same way these props like Mahomes, passing yards – little bit inflated because you know where the money is coming and we already said it on the show but this is the one game of the year where the public really will move the lines because it's just it's just a question of volume and at some point no matter who's betting you you've got to act you can't just sit there and let the book get absolutely crushed on something no matter who the money's coming from 
All right. I think that's, that's good. We've taken a lot of your time. Thanks a lot, um, John, and good luck yeah. on Sunday. I think we'll all be rooting for a really boring game. Yeah, usually speaking, the sharper guys in the books win on the same times and, and then lose on the same games. So, but, but I do appreciate you guys having me on, and, and hopefully we can run it back again. Okay, thanks, John. Thanks a lot, John. I guess. So, I mean, what do, you, what do you do with this information then? If you know, like, Hardman, um, you know, like, you, it's a – I mean, how do you – do you actually know the exact yardages of different kickoff kickers and what their median is? Like, do you know what which now whatever his name is that we just yeah. discovered? Or, or you, yeah. you do? Yes, that's, that's the whole point of charting it. And you chart it yourself? No, I said my brother was help, very helpful with this. Oh, got it. So he's like charting this. Wow. Um, and, and how is he getting, is he getting game film or what? what yes, is, he's how, doing it looking at the game film. Whoa, you're like it, creating your own stats. Well, if you, if, so Game Pass, if you subscribe to Game Pass, they have a really useful thing where you can actually search for, um, you, could, you, can, you can search, you can basically say, I want this team this week, this play type and then search for a player in any play. It's indexed to the play-by-play. So any play that has, for example, Hardman or Kickoff or whatever in, um, you know, I would be able to just select it and watch the video right there. Wow. So what did you end up with in terms of, uh, of, terms of that number? Is there value? <laughs> uh, I still don't even – the funny thing is after all of that, it's still really hard to put an exact number on it because part of it's trying to figure out – like I've still not – certain if san francisco's if, if wisnowski or however you say it um just doesn't have a big leg or if it's his intention to have the kickoff come down right around the goal line so i think he just doesn't have a, that big a leg um but i think there's obviously some kickoffs that are intentionally shorter and that's why that's what it's really useful to, to see like the ones that are the squib kicks or the like high directional ones that you know where it's clear that the guys isn't doing that but um we also don't know what the weather is really going to be yet, or at least What's the last week I didn't look like right now. I think it looks like they say there's a chance of showers and like 10 mile, 10 to 20 mile an hour winds or something like that. But I mean, you don't really this far ahead. It's, it's pretty difficult to, to see exactly. So um, I, I think that Kansas city is much more likely. I think I have Kansas city is kicking a ton of touchbacks, not a ton, but um, their touchback rate is, I think I have this projected close to 70%. And I have the t- touchback rate of San Francisco closer to 50%. I can hmm. try to find the exact numbers here. But um, but they're not that exact because the thing is overall, like let's say I look and I see, okay, there are kickoffs are 10% more likely to be touchbacks um, at altitude or when the temperature is warmer, right? Because obviously in the cold, the ball does not carry as far. But what complicates an analysis like that is that not every team is trying to do the same thing. There are certainly times when a kicker is trying not to kick it for a touchback. And so part of it was, so I kind of almost had to go through and, and there was some art to it and look at, like just discounted some games completely rather than trying to model the effect of you know, playing in Mexico city on, on touchbacks. Okay. So let, let's go back to what, what started this line of questioning. 
what advice would you give to the recreational better? And so, and so we, we, um, assuming this is going to be aired before the John Murray interview, but John Murray mentioned, you know, having a lot of outs, which is, which is obvious because you want to price shop and that's, that's pretty much what you want to do at any point. Um, what are, what are some other things that you would think about? I mean, the, the next rule is generally there's going to be more value on unders and no's than there are on overs and yeses. That's probably generally true. Yeah. Think think about what your gut instinct is and go against it. (laughs) What if you have a smart gut? Well then, Um, uh, I mean, what are, what are some other things? Is there any, like one of the most fun bets that there is, is, is first to score touchdowns. Is there any value? Do you see any value on any of those at this point? um, I saw a little bit of value on Raheem Mostert. I make him in the six to one range, I think plus six ten. And I think there are some numbers better than that out there. Last year, I feel like we gave out the, um, last year, I feel like we gave out the Sony Michelle, like we had said that that was a good one and that, that came up um, winning. So it sounds like the favorite running back, sometimes there is some value in it, shockingly. Yeah, I, I show a little bit of value with Damian Williams too. The first touchdown is more likely to be a rushing touchdown than a regular touchdown is, if that makes any sense. So if a team, let, let's say a team's normal, let's say normally a team has 60% of their offensive touchdowns or passing touchdowns. Well, I maybe out of their first, for the first touchdown, that number might be only like 58%. I'm, I'm not, that's not the exact effect. I'm not giving that away, but. <laughs> I like when you give information that isn't necessarily useful. True. <laughs> it's really helpful. Well, um, I, I just want to tell the sorry, listeners that make? my biggest bets are going to be yes on the safety, yes on overtime, and yes on a defensive or special teams touchdown. What do you make? Um, what do you make the uh, uh, what, what the um, both of those touchdowns should be, but uh, in terms of the uh, um, first score, both Damian Williams and Mostert. And by the way, that was that was a joke for the for any new listeners. I'm not actually betting on the safety. But if you want to, you can. Just make sure you bet a lot of money on it and make sure you move the market. Uh, I mean, first touchdown. We didn't touch on. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Tell us what that is before we move on to the next. Okay. So I make Mostert plus 604 and Damian Williams plus 610. Okay. Because I I have both of those players as pretty big favorites to score. I have Damian Williams at minus 142 and Mostert at minus 138. Yeah. Okay. So um, interesting. And. In terms of, um, are there any, any other like big tips that you would have in, if for, for, you know, the recreational better? Bet into markets that don't have huge VIG generally. Right. Sure. It's the same. It's the same kind of thing. The question is, what are you, what are you looking If you're looking to bet for entertainment value, then it's a, then pick something that's, that you enjoy rooting for. I mean, props are supposed to be kind of fun, right? Yeah, but you're, you're, the way that you do prop bets is the opposite of fun, right? And, and generally, like, what we're trying to do is give our listeners some value that, um, that other people don't, don't, you know, don't necessarily give their listeners because what we're trying to do is give them a different way of looking at the, of things so that they can actually make a, you know, not, not necessarily make money long term, but at least have a sustained life. Okay. Sports better. So I'll, I'll say this. Pros typically bet unders and nos more. And one big reason for that is because generally people don't account. Well, there's the difference between median means and medians for different props, but also uh, potentials for injury. 
And so think about, if you think about what will the probability of an injury for maybe that player, you know, that, that brings his number down a little bit. Um, but also consider that some players could benefit from an injury. For example, if Tyreek Hill gets hurt, then, then I'm pretty much screwed with McCole Hardman bets because he's going to take over that role. So McCole Hardman has upside due to injury. Tyreek Hill has downside. So you're generally going to be, are you generally exposed to a player like McCall Hardman? So would a Tyreek Hill injury be good or bad for you? It depends on how much. And we don't, I, we don't ever root for anyone to be injured. Um, even people that um, do bad things to females, um, but uh, bad or good. Um, would a Tyreek Hill injury be bad or good for me right now? Yes. Probably bad, but, but I also. Well, generally speaking, as John probably, Murray. Said, generally speaking, there's probably a trend that happens, right? Where those those fringe players that you know, not fringe, like McCall Hardman's very talented, but he doesn't have a big role as long as Tyreek Hill's around. But if Tyreek and and so his numbers, I wonder if his numbers get inflated because he's very talented, but the likelihood of of those going over is not high unless you know, obviously, there's something that that's a big play that breaks or that, that, you know, that, that something happens with. Well, I was going to say the reason that his numbers might be inflated is because he actually put up decent numbers in the games when Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins were out. And so he had a very different role in the offense then. So looking at his usage then um, doesn't really relate to what it's going to be now. So since week 13, they've had all those guys back and Hardman actually, he had a a forty percent um, a forty percent route percentage last week, which was his highest since like week eleven. Um, but overall, you know, his his usage has been more sporadic. Okay, let's um, go to a hot button for you. I know, and I don't know whether you ever got an answer to this, but the idea that the quarterback like Mahomes winning the MVP could be higher um, than the sort of like worse odds than the actual team winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, it never should be that way. I'm sorry. I think the chances of... The so chances did you ever of, get an answer? Did, we should have probably asked John Murray why they would hang it like that. Was, it, was that the Westgate that hung it that way? No, I I, I've, seen that, I've, seen that many, I've seen that many places. And maybe, maybe it isn't hung that way at the Westgate, but I, I've seen that before. I've definitely seen it online. Um, not necessarily at the reputable book that we talk about, but at other places we've seen. Um, where they they will hang it that way, and maybe it's just they do that because they can, you know, because it's not they know it's not they're not going to a lot gain a lot of sh- attention from sharps on that, and some people just want to bet on these guys because they know the name. Yeah, I think it's you're going to have people betting Mahomes to win MVP that are not really price discriminating. Right, I think that's it comes down to that that they people are betting it and they can offer that, so they will. Any good long shots for uh, the the Super Bowl MVP? Um, Hmm. Not really. I I don't have. I think we've bet a few. I think some we got Garoppolo at a kind of insanely high number. Somewhere. Just because, like the he's a quarterback, and what, I mean, yeah, what there, there was there was a number that was hung that was divorced from reality. Plus six dollars. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but I think overall he's trading what in the plus two fifty range. I'm seeing two seventy five. I, I have not modeled the MVP stuff, but is that? I mean, that's got to be pretty damn hard to model. 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of just looking at in the past, you know, what players won that were non quarterbacks and you, you do have some defensive players that won Von Miller won once Dexter Jackson back with the, with the bucks back when they played the Raiders. Um, you don't have a lot of, I think the last running back was in the nineties. Yeah. I mean, it's There's almost wide always, receivers like Ben, Ben Roethlisberger has two Super Bowl titles in both times. The MVP was one of the receivers. You had Santonio Holmes and Heinz Ward. Wow. So maybe if Ben wins, goes to the Super Bowl again, we'll see a place with some value. Yeah. And I guess, and, and, oh, and, and the defensive player won the year uh, Seattle won. I mean, what does it take for a receiver to win it? I guess it takes, it takes what happened last year, right? Which is that the quarterback doesn't have a particularly great game, but all of the, all of it goes to one person. Could you see that happening? I mean, maybe that happens with the Kittle or with the Tyreek. I mean, that's, it just doesn't. You can see a Tyreek Hill. I mean, I think you need at least, you need, you need touchdowns or you need some sort of big play. I mean, the Hill thing has got to be, and I, I I would, I, I, I don't know. I, it would make me, I don't like the Hill. That would be bad to me if he won MVP. Why is that? I just still bear a grudge against him because I feel like he's did some terrible things that never really got punished. Okay. So we're, we're talking, we're not talking football. We're not talking about football at all. And obviously like people hate it when I bring politics into this at all, but there's some, some things that, that generally bother me about that. Um, okay. So I think if you personally, you know, there hasn't been a running back that's won it in a while, as I said, but in James White, uh, do not win it when he had that, you know, against the Falcons because I think Brady is Brady and he threw for 500 yards, but James White had like a hundred and something receiving yards and three and touchdowns scored, and scored right. the winning touchdown. Yeah. Three touchdowns. You're like, how does he not win it there? But I mean, I think I, I still think there's value on like a Damian Williams at like, if you can get 14 or 15 to one, just because it, the, the big reason that a running back hasn't won is that running backs haven't, that when's the last time a running back had a huge game in the Super Bowl? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, it hasn't really happened in a while. Well, passing is the shit. So, I mean, what do you think it takes Damian Williams to do it? It takes touchdowns. If he has three touchdowns and, you know, close to 100 yards, he probably he needs a, He needs over 100 yards. And he needs, he needs it to be a game where Mahomes maybe has an interception or two and doesn't have a particularly great game. Right. I mean – I wish like I wish Bosa was a little bit lower because like it feels like Bosa could be the difference in like you know like again like you think mm-hmm. about and I know these are narratives but if the Niners are to win the game it's going to be because they're able to get pressure on Mahomes if they're able to get pressure on Mahomes it's probably going to be like a Nick Bosa at the at the core making and wreaking havoc on it and if that's the case you know there's a chance that he could win the MVP. I mean I disagree with that. I mean Bosa will wreak havoc, but so will you know, a lot of other people on that defensive line, they have D Ford, Armstead, DeForest Buckner. I mean, all those guys, I, I have, they're sack rate. I mean, they're, they're all pretty equitable sack wise. In fact, I have my, my highest projection for sacks is, is Armstead slightly over Bosa. But you know, Nick Bosa is Joey Bosa's brother, right? I do. You know, what school they both went to, right? Yes. Ohio State. Ohio State. The Ohio State. The Ohio State University. Uh, anything else, Rufus? Um, well, there's, there's lots else. There's lots of props, Jeff. Well, what other props do you want to discuss? I mean, like the problem with you is we get to these props and then you're like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you what I actually bet. If you you, just give me a prop and I'll give you a number. (laughs) 
Well, we already said so. It sounds like there's like Mahomes under value, right? Yeah. Well, there's going to be there's going to be a lot of Mahomes under value, I assume, on game day. Okay, and then we talked a little bit about the no safety. We talked a little bit about this paradigm shift that you're seeing. How about the uh, team to score three times in a row thing? Wasn't that that's always been one that like people have have said is is an interesting one because the odds seem well, odds always seem off, but they're not. Right. And that, that's a very interesting one. And the fact that, and, and I actually, I, I think I know sharp people that view it in very different ways. Cause you think the higher the total, the more likely uh, you have three unanswered scores because the more scores you have, but at the same time, if you have a high total and a game that's close to a pick, it also means that uh, the likelihood of scoring on each possession is higher. So the possessions become less independent. So, um, so they're kind of two sort of, uh, there's, those are two aspects, the, the total, um, and the line that, well, that sort of, I guess a higher total affects it, it has an impact on both in both ways. Um, but I, I make the number, the yes, minus one eighty, which is a little lower than the market, but I haven't really been loading up. I haven't also, I haven't done a lot of work on that prop in recent years. So that, that's my pricing from like, you know, three years ago. What about, what about um, Tevin Coleman unders given his injury situation? Does that, does that well, seem... no, Nobody's booking Tevin Coleman yet. He has not like every, at least I'm, I'm looking at six and a half as his total rushing attempts. Really? Okay. So what the Westgate had X's on Thursday, maybe they have numbers up now, but you know, if he doesn't play, it's no action though. Right. So that's, that's the other thing there. So the question is, do you think if he will be, if there's enough chance that he'll play and be limited, or do you think it's like, if he's not fully, if he's not healthy enough to, to you know, be a real contributor, they, that he won't play. I guess the hope is that, you know, he gets in as hobbled ineffective and, and plays a few snaps and that's it. Right. Yeah. Uh, what about adjusted alternative lines? Anything interesting there? There isn't a ton of value in those things. I, I did bet some interesting um, prepackaged parlays yesterday in, in New Jersey. There, they had one with, with I guess it was the Niners plus six and a half parlayed with under sixty-five and a half total points, and I got that at minus one hundred five, and I I made the true line. Um, in the minus 120s. So that was mostly just a bet on the under 65 and a half though. Cause I bet they had one with the chiefs as well. The plus six and a half for the chiefs under 65 and a half. It was laying minus 130 there, but I should value there as well. So that was mostly just a way to, to bet the under 65 and a half. Um, but what was interesting is that in New Jersey, a lot of these books have these sort of prepackaged parlays um, for player props, things like, Kelsey over 99 and a half receiving yards and over half a touchdown or will both quarterbacks throw for 400 yards. So that, that or, is that, is that FanDuel that had those? Um, it was resorts. It was, so it's SB tech. I think FanDuel may have had some of those, but there was some that had like three different things. It was like, will will like the quarterback over 300 passing yards receiver over a hundred receiving yards. And then, a receiver on the other team with the under, over a hundred receiving yards or something like that. But those were interesting in terms of trying to figure out the correlation there because it's, it's not something I'd actually looked at before. So 
if Travis Kelsey gets 100 receiving yards, will he score? What, what, what's the likelihood he scores a touchdown? It's not independent of my touchdown projection at all. The question is, what is that dependency? And so I did some work there, and and basically, well, that was um, so. Just so you know, why I was asking was FanDuel when I did this. Um, when I did this uh, panel with Matt King, the CEO of FanDuel, he basically was kind of bragging about those parlay bets as ones that they had developed that are ones that are simple and sort of make sense to players. Um, and, you know, the, the sort of like these correlated, will they, will the chiefs win and will Travis Kelsey score a touchdown or will, you know, go over the yards and score. T- like It's just, it's, it's interesting to hear that you saw some value in some of those types of bets because um, it would be interesting if we just find out they're not great at pricing them. Yeah. I mean, I think that they are, like, most of those, the holds can be high enough, but some of them sort of seem like there has to be value. And then you look at it and you're like, well, no, I guess there isn't actually. So I can, my gut says like, oh, that's, you know, nine to one on, on this particular thing happening. Like that seems reasonable. And then I look and it's like, well, no, I actually make it 20 to one. But so I, so I see why it's appealing to a better because my, my, my uh, primitive brain likes it. How about some of the comparison um, bets uh, who will throw, who will have more passing yards, Mahomes minus 66 and a half, um, who will have more rushing yards, Damian Williams plus 28 and a half minus 130. Have you seen any value in those? Um, Some. I saw value on George Kittle against Tyreek Hill, for example. I got George Kittle plus four and a half receiving yards against Tyreek Hill. But... Most of it, it's basically just the difference between your projections. That's what they're booking it at. And yeah. yeah. And so all the projections are probably roughly the same. I assume you're saying. Yeah. I mean, if it, right, exactly. If they have Tyreek Hill lined at 75 and a half and they have Kittle lined at 71 and a half, they'll probably use like a spread of four or close to it. So it's, I guess it's a way to take a, a stand on two guys relative to each other without having the over or under. Right. Okay. Oh, I'll tell you that with the, the big, the big comparison prop I have is Kendrick Bourne receiving yards over Nicole Hardman receiving yards. And I assume you like Bourne. I do like Bourne. What do you make that price? Oh, I make it like minus minus one ninety or something like that. I'm really low on Hardman, as I said, but that's right. not, that's not accounting for the possibility of, 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 Tyreek Hill getting injured or Sammy Watkins getting injured. And so the question is what probability do you put on that? And if that changes the game entirely. So that's why, I mean, the minus 190 isn't a true price. That's my price, assuming no injury there. I'm, I'm pretty excited to be like watching. So I am in a, in a playoff fantasy league that we do every year, which is probably one of the most fun formats that there is out there. I can explain it to someone on a different podcast maybe next year Wait, i want you to explain it because i'm i'm in a fantasy i'm in a playoff fantasy league that's a lot of fun too do you you can only use each guy once is that how is that yours well so no no no. you you draft there's six teams in the league you draft two quarterbacks four running backs four wide receivers slash tight ends two defenses and two kickers at the beginning of the playoffs and each week you can start half of that so you can start one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers slash tight ends, one defense, and one kicker. And then it's total points amongst those um, six teams through the course of the four weeks of the playoffs. Okay. 
So you have to basically think about is one week of Dalvin Cook better than, you know, uh, three weeks of um, Matt Breida, right? So a a team that makes – a team that does have a wild card playoff game but is a big favorite that week. And, you know, that's – Well, so this year the Saints were very popular, right, in this Mm -hmm. because people thought they had a chance to go to the playoffs and they were playing in – I mean, sorry, go to the Super Bowl and they were playing in week one. Exactly. Um, The first pick of the draft, which I had, was Lamar Jackson. And, you know, that was a no-brainer first pick, but um, obviously we saw what happened with that, although he did have a lot of fantasy points in his his one game. Uh, But it's a really fun format, and – We've been doing it for a while. But anyways, I have McCall Hardman in that, and uh, I'm in second place. I mean, no one cares about your fantasy team, so I'll stop. But. So I, I have a um, – I'm, I'm in a league where you it's, – it's, you don't draft, but you each week you basically pick – you fill out a starting lineup. It's like quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, kicker, two flexes, and then two IDPs. Uh, and you can only use each player once, so you're kind of having to plan ahead. And, um, and, and you're – picking a new team each week, but I'm, I saved Mahomes, So I have, I'm in second place and I have Mahomes. but so I have a, I have a, a decent chance, but my skill position players are going to be a little thin. All right. Well, no one cares about your fantasy team either nope. Rufus. And with that, <laughs> um, will everyone enjoy the super bowl? We'll probably take a week off a week off after the super bowl. And then we'll be back with our off season podcast where we'll be bringing guests on each week. So Enjoy the Super Bowl, and who are you? Who are you going to be rooting for, Rufus? Who am I going to be rooting Chiefs, for? Because you have a position on the team. Oh, we didn't actually talk about betting the game. Like, I know that you show a teeny bit of value on the Chiefs, but not enough where you would recommend a pick, right? Correct. And and I've there's a lot. I, you know, this whole thing about defense mattering more in the Super Bowls is is kind of fascinating. And and Chris Liss was talking to me today. Um, I was on his. Sirius XM fantasy sports radio show. And he actually dug up some numbers on it about looking at different, at how defense teams with better defenses have overperformed in Super Bowls going back like 30 years. But it's, um, it feels so like everybody's on the like me and you had a Kansas city futures position. What would you do? Would you, would I you just hold it? Yeah. Okay. I'd hold it. I, I'm not really going to have much of this. I'm, I'm going to be sitting around rooting for Kansas city amongst the San Francisco uh, fan base and knowing that I have a lot of good friends that work for the 49ers. So maybe I'll just, are you a 49ers fan? Sort of. Do you want to root for the 49ers? Then just make a massive money line bet to, to, I can't talk about any of this. Okay. It's not right. So anyways. Okay. Uh, It's not right. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the game. Bet responsibly. Um, and root for nothing. The breakdown of data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are put to engines running off a leaded. 